Okay, we are live. We're live. Good evening. Good morning, everyone. Good to see you all. This is not going to be a terribly long class. I want to share with you some resources and some ideas that will, I hope, help you have a more meaningful Rosh Hashanah if you are at home this year. So let's jump in, okay? So I had the following thought, just trying to break this down, what some of the challenges are for being at home on Rosh Hashanah. Um, one of those challenges is, of course, being at home. Being at home alone for meals is something which is very challenging. And the second component is not going to show. And so I want to spend a couple of minutes going through both of those independently so we could try to tackle each of them um, and try to figure out some techniques, some tools to be able to make them a little bit more meaningful. So we'll start with the meal. And, you know, to begin with, I, I cannot imagine what so many of you have been going through. Many of you, whether you're on your own or with one other person or with small children or whatever it may be, who have been eating by yourselves more or less for all this time. I cannot begin to imagine how challenging that is. Um, my biggest fear is that some people have gotten somewhat accustomed to that reality. And that's if there's even such a thing, if, you, if, I, if, I, if I could even say such words. Because uh, obviously, you should not become accustomed to that. So we, we are community and we, we celebrate Shabbos, we celebrate Yom Tov together, we celebrate together um, with people, with friends, with family. And so our hope and prayer is that we're able to come to a time when the norm is that we're able to get together with friends. I, I do want to just mention on a very practical level um, that people should not make assumptions, that they should not be eating with other people. And what I mean by that is that, you know, in, in conversation with many uh, prof medical professionals, infectious disease experts specifically, what I'm hearing from many of them is that there are ways to be able to get together with friends or with family. And so if you're all alone, Again, depends on the scenario. Obviously, if you're symptomatic in any way, it's, it's out of the question. If a person's in a high-risk category, it's a question, but it's a question that should be asked. It's something that should be explored. It's something that needs to be dealt with. So I, I've heard from some people who said, well, I'm at home. I, I just assume I shouldn't be going anywhere. I've gotten invitations, but I'm assuming I should be at home. Check in with your doctor. Don't, don't just Google it. Like Check in with your personal doctor, someone that you trust, and find out if there's a way. Typically, what I've heard is that for many people, it's okay for them to go to a meal where they are going to be at a host who doesn't have other guests. You have one host that you're going to over and over again. Again, speak to a doctor. I, I'm not a medical professional, but I urge you to speak to one before you make any assumptions that you should not be going out. It's important to that you explore the possibilities and find out what is appropriate for you. Okay. So again, let's go, let's go back to this. For people who have been eating by themselves for all this time, first and foremost, I, I commend you, because, and you should commend yourself, because I, I know I, I can begin to imagine how challenging it is, but you're here, and, and, and you're still going, and, and that's impressive. It really is, and it's not something to take lightly. It's been about six months since we've really had a, quote-unquote, normal uh, Shabbos and Yom Tov experience with, with families and others and friends, and if you've been able to manage until this time, you should really pat yourself on the back. Um, that said, Rosh Hashanah, similar to the last time that we had uh, a bit of a gathering we, for, before Pesach, Rosh Hashanah has its own special challenges. Rosh Hashanah, Yom Tov is a special time for, for special meals coming together. And so it is especially challenging, and, and it's important to acknowledge that. Um, one thing that I would mention as a possible way to make your Rosh Hashanah a little bit more um, meaningful, something that you possibly could do, is the following. Um, Many, many of you may already have this custom, 
and maybe it's just an opportunity to do it a little bit differently. I, I know for many, some people just dip their apple in honey and that's the end of it, but many people have adopted what really is a Sephardic custom to have a whole bunch of different food items that they eat on Rosh Hashanah night, and they say specific tefillos, specific prayers that revolve around those specific foods. Um, I'm sure many of you have experienced this. Many of you do this already, but it's an opportunity. I know in my house, it's a little chaotic. Everyone's dripping honey all over the place, and, you know, pomegranate seeds are flying. It's just, you know, with with many people, and especially with kids, I'm not always able to experience it the way I'd like. And so one thing that perhaps you could do is make it a little bit more meaningful, a little bit more intentional, and you could slow down. If you need some guidance, you know, in the in the machzer that you may or may not have at home, and we'll get to that in a second, uh, it has the, the tefillos, the prayers, uh, but another resource that might be able to help you, I'm going to share my screen now. Uh, I just want to, it's really, uh, here we go, I'm going to share my screen, and uh, this is a page on the Ner Tamid website. Um, it's the stay-at-home um Stay at home, Rosh Hashanah. And it has a lot of resources on it. And one of those resources is a Seder, uh, a Rosh Hashanah Seder. Uh, It's called the Haggadah. They call it a Haggadah. I wouldn't call it a Haggadah, but it's basically an English step-by-step process of how to go through the evening of Rosh Hashanah. It's the first night with all those fruits. What thoughts to think about? What in the world does this vegetable have to do with this prayer? So it'll give you a chance to really reflect and to meditate and to not rush through it because, again, as, as challenging as it is, and I, and I acknowledge it, it's incredibly challenging, it's an opportunity to be able to uh, focus in a way that you may not be able to when you're with others. So my simple suggestion and, and I'm going to put the link for that. Um, I'm going to put the link. Where is the chat? Um, excuse me. I'm going to put the link. Here we go. I'm going to put the link for that page for any no for anyone who wants. Uh, there are a number of resources on it. It's on the Nertamid website, nertamid.net. And if you look under the Learning Center, and I believe it's under Sermons. It's certainly not a sermon, but there's a whole bunch of resources. And I'm going to be talking about those resources. I just put it in the chat. I'm going to be talking about those resources throughout this uh, little class that we're having together. So again, number one, if you're by yourself for the meal, make it a little bit more meaningful. Slow down a little bit. There are a couple of things, especially on the first night of Rosh Hashanah that we do. This guide will walk you through it so you can do it yourself and will give you a little bit more to think about. And that's one simple explanation, simple idea. Um, another, some other, another ideas that will help your meal will come up as we continue. But the next thing I really want to focus on is how to replicate shul. You know, um, you know, a couple of very practical pieces first, and then we'll talk about this. Uh, we'll, we'll develop the, we'll unpack this a little bit more. First of all, uh, for those of you who live in Baltimore, um, if you need someone to come to your house to blow chauffeur, if you're not able to get out, please contact our office. Uh, there are a number of other resources available as well. Certainly, um, you know, again, if you're in the area, contact our office. We'll have someone come to you to blow chauffeur. Also, if you need a machzer for Rosh Hashanah, please contact our office, and you could pick one up uh, from the shul, or we could drop one off if you're unable to get out of your house. Um, and there are some technical laws on how to daven properly, what things to say, what things not to say. If you're at home for Rosh Hashanah, that could also be found on that website, on the Nertam. Again, I just put a link, and on that link, uh, it brings you to, I'm going to just show you again, just so you could follow along. Here we are. Um, Okay, so the first link 
on that page. Again, this is the stay at home for Rosh Hashanah. The first link is a PDF, Compliments of the OU, and it goes through, it has a number of articles. I'm going to talk about those articles in a moment, but what it also has is a very detailed halachic analysis of what you should and should not say, what you should and should not say, um, at home if you are by yourself, okay? So that's something that you should check out. I know some people are asking me, what am I allowed to say? What should I say? Details with page numbers, with the art scroll, Mafsar, take a look at it today. If you have any questions, don't hesitate to follow up. Um, and that way you could daven at home for those who are unable to join us in Shul. That's a technical halachic point. For some of you, that may be a little bit overwhelming to go through all of the davening, what you are allowed to say and what you should say. And for some of you, it might be more appropriate to pick a couple of tefillos, a couple of prayers that really speak to you. And you know what those are. You know, pause for a second and ask yourself, what are the different prayers on Rosh Hashanah or on a regular Shabbos that speak to me? It might be the Shema. It, it, for many of you, it's likely Unisana Tokef. You'll find in the Machsar, and, and, and you'll see in the, in, the, in the link that I put over there, page numbers for all of these things so you could find them for yourself. Spend some time today, tomorrow, the next day, flipping through the Machsar, finding pieces that speak to you, and on Rosh Hashanah, you'll say those pieces. If you're unable to go through everything you're supposed to say, at the very least, find the pieces that speak to you and spend some time on Rosh Hashanah saying them. And by the way, saying them slowly. Because in Shul, I'll tell you, we are going to be finishing davening in two hours and 15 minutes. Or else, I'm in big trouble. Okay? So it's going to be a, a pretty fast davening. We're going to try to make it as meaningful and as heartful and soulful as possible. But frankly, we are going to be moving quickly. If you're at home, you could say things as slowly as slowly as you want, okay? Um, also on that page, on the page on that link that I've given you on the Nair Tamid page, the last link is a link to uh, some poetic, uh, the Hebrew word is kavanot. Kavanot are, are intentions, different things, prayers to say or to think about before you daven to kind of set the tone to put you in the right state of mind. So again, let's just summarize, summarize quickly before we continue this and, and, and go a little bit deeper. Uh, but practically, if you're at home, if you want to know from a halachic perspective what you should and should not say, check the first link on the page that I've shared with you, the Ner Tamid, on the Ner Tamid website, uh, the first link, in addition to a number of articles, has a detailed list of what you should and should not say if you're davening on your own. For some of you, that might be overwhelming, that might not be appropriate, choose some tefillos that speak to you and spend some time on Rosh Hashanah saying them slowly and thoughtfully. And lastly, for those of you who are a little more poetic and want a little bit more help uh, grounding you and helping you focus, the final link on that page has some beautiful poetry that will help you focus on Rosh Hashanah. Okay, so this is all, I would call it almost technical. Practically, what are you going to say? What are you going to do for davening? So we spoke about the meal briefly. Again, slow down at the meal, do the Seder, the Rosh Hashanah Seder, do it slowly, properly, in a meaningful, thoughtful fashion. The davening as well, some technical, uh, practical pieces of how to get shofar blowing, a machzor, and how to daven on your own. But I, I've been spending this past these past few days trying to think about what makes the shul experience so meaningful for people? Um, and, and the truth is, it, it, dissecting shul is not fair because in some ways it's bigger than the sum of its parts, right? It's hard to just say it's this and it's that and it's this. But nonetheless, I, I think there are a couple of components that we could try our best to replicate as best as possible, okay? So let, let's do that together. What we're going to try to do is break down the shul experience that many of you are going to be missing and try to see if we're able to replicate that in any way, okay? 
So here we go. I'm going to slow down a little bit at this point. The first is music, right? It's the songs of Rosh Hashanah. It's the songs of Rosh Hashanah. It's the chazan singing. It's all of us singing along to those beautiful, evocative melodies that move us, that touch us in a very, very, very deep place. Okay. You won't be in shul, and you won't be listening to those tunes. So a couple of ideas. The first is to spend these next few days. It is, what's the, Tuesday. One of those weeks. It's Tuesday, okay? So you have all day today. You have Wednesday, Thursday, Friday to familiarize yourself with some of the songs. Some of you may know the songs and just comes to you like that. Others don't. Spend some time going over the Rosh Hashanah songs. Where could you find them? You could Google them, but also on that page, on that link that's in the chat right now, there are a couple of songs that we typically sing in our shul and some songs that are sung in other shuls. And just listen to it over and over again until it's stuck in your mind, okay? And then on Rosh Hashanah, hopefully by then you'll memorize it, on Rosh Hashanah, when you're ready to daven, sing those songs. And don't just sing them once. Again, in shul, we're going to be rushing. You have the opportunity to sing them over and over again. One of my favorite sayings from Rav Nachman of Breslov, I haven't really found it in writing, but they say they attribute this to him. He says that singing a song is like a cold bed on a cold night. Singing a song is like a cold bed on a cold night. And he says, first you have to warm the bed, and then it warms you. Right? You've ever gone to your bed and it's freezing in there, right? And then you sit there for a little while and all of a sudden you're so cozy. First you have to warm the bed and then it warms you. And what that means when it comes to a song is that, you know, we have this very American thing where we sing a song, too low, too high, too low, too high, we're done. We move on to the next song, you know, in, in many Jewish circles. That's a pity. You know, my, I remember watching a video of a, of a, old, of a wedding in Israel from, from decades ago and they sang one song for like 15 minutes. That's the way to do it because you sing it once, okay. You sing it twice, okay. You sing it again and again and you get into it, into it, into it. Like sing, Avinu Makenu. I could sing that forever. I could sing that over and over and over again. And each time it just brings, it, you connect to it differently. So again, you're going to be at home. The music is such a central part. If you don't know the tune so well, spend some time right now. Again, there are links on that page I just shared with you. And, and also, if there are specific songs that you don't remember the tune for, call me. If you can't find it online, call me. I'll be happy to make a recording for you that you can listen to right now and go over and over and over again in your minds right now so that on Yom Tiv, you could stop whatever time you're davening and you'll just sing that tune over and over and over again. Really. I think that, that that's, a, that's something that only you could do at home. Uh, we can't do in shul. We're going to be going, unfortunately, too quickly at shul. And it's something that I, I, one of the most important components of shul is the ability to sing together. We won't be able to be singing together, but at the very least, you could sing over and over again until the song connects to you deeply. Number two, I think, you know, one thing that I think we get out of shul is a sense of completion. In other words, it's very concrete. Did you go to shul this Rosh Hashanah? Check. I did. Or no, I did not. Right? So there's a sense of concrete. Whether we come on time or we don't, that's another story. But there's a sense of completion, of, of, of finishing a task by going to show. And this year, we feel like we're missing that on our, on our, on our bingo card, right? We're on our checklist. We can't check that I've gone to show. So we're missing out a little bit. So what do we do? How do we, how do we compensate for this sense of not feeling complete by not going to shul, right? Right, you understand what I'm saying? In other words, one of the pieces of shul is not so much the experience, it's the fact that I know I'm supposed to be doing something and I did it and therefore I could give myself that check. 
And it's a very human need to, have, to want to have concrete goals and to be able to accomplish them. And so perhaps if you're not going to show, perhaps you could give yourself another meaningful goal, maybe even more meaningful. And what I would recommend, what I would suggest is that perhaps to find for yourself, and this is true for those who are home alone or home with a spouse, not, not for those with kids usually, uh, but, but get a book. Amazon Prime might be able to get you a book, a Jewish book, something that would be meaningful that you could read, something short enough that you could read over the two days of Rosh Hashanah. It's important that we have in our lives goals and accomplishments, especially when it comes to spiritual things. You know, so much of our spiritual life is, you know, doesn't really have checklists. Like we don't really feel like, are, are we doing this right? Are we doing it wrong? It's just like all rides on this continuum. But there are certain things that we have where I did it or I didn't do it. Going to Shoal is one of them. I did it or I didn't do it. So let's find another way, another concrete goal that we're able to give ourselves on Rosh Hashanah that we're able to say, I did it. I accomplished it. So for those of you who have the time and headspace and you could get a book quickly, get yourself a Jewish book. If you don't know what book, Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, get any of his books. They're usually, most people find them meaningful if you don't know what book you want to get. Um, but in addition to that, in addition to that, again, on that link that I shared with you in the chat, there is that, that again, and you can find it on the Nair Tamin website, in the Learning Center, in the Sermon section, there is, the first link is a home, a packet for people who are at home. One part of that packet is a set of laws for people who want to daven at home. But in addition to that, there are a number of meaningful and beautiful articles that are in that book, booklets, okay? You with me? I'm going to just show you, just in case I'm not being so clear, just so you could just follow what I'm describing over here. Again, go to the Neratamid website. Let's start. Let's do this all together, just so we could just be very clear about this. Whoops, here we go. Visit site. Okay. Okay. Visit Neratamid site. Looks familiar. It's loading. Sorry. Okay, here we are. It's loading slowly, but you can go to the dashboard and you go to the Learning Center, okay? And we're having connection issues. Do you all still see me? It looks like, uh, okay, hopefully I'm still on. It looks like we had some connection issues. Okay, I hope you all, no. Okay, thank you all for your patience. We had some technical difficulties. I will not share with you. You will find it on your own because I'm afraid to uh, cause any problems again. Um, so again, go on the Nair Tamid website, go to the Learning Center, go to the sermons, and the first link under, again, there's a Rosh Hashanah Stay at Home page. 
on that page, the first link is a guide, is a booklet actually, a collection of short articles put together by the Orthodox Union. And I want you, again, if a book is too much for you, just read though that packet on Rosh Hashanah. Do it for yourself and recognize there'll be a sense of completion, of finishing some, I'm going to read you the link, thank you. Um, just do it for yourself um, and, and read it for yourself. But there's something else, that another reason why I want you to do so. Here's the link again for those of you who, for, okay, got lost. Okay, there's the link again. And so here's the deal. I want you to read it for yourself. Again, some sense of completion, some sense of doing something and completing it. Check. I did something I was supposed to do in Rosh Hashanah. So read it for yourself, but I also want you to do something else, and that is to connect to the rest of the community. You know, I wasn't planning on reading that booklet. Initially, when I found that booklet, the OU reached out, you know, they're, they're putting this together. I just wanted to share with you people who are going to be home for Rosh Hashanah. But a, a woman in Chicago, Wendy, I'm not going to say her last name, I didn't get permission, but this wonderful woman in, in, in Chicago reached out to me, and she... Uh, reached out because she was part of our Zoom that I had that we ran with my wife uh, before Pesach for people who are at home alone, and and we got to talking about what it's like being single, what it's like being alone during these past six months, and she told me about this unbelievable idea that she's working on, and that is creating a network of singles or people at home, a, a book club between all these people. A book club, okay, just having small cohorts, but essentially connecting people who are at home over shared literature, over shared experiences. They can't read it together, but every Shabbos they know, or every Yomtev they know, they're going to be reading the same thing, and they'll be sharing with one another what their experience was, what they liked, what they didn't like, what their thoughts are, etc. And what that does is that means that while I'm at home on Rosh Hashanah all by myself, and I'm not connecting to other people, but I'm reading this book, or I'm reading this booklet, and I know that there are other people doing the same thing, and I'm connected to them. I'm not literally talking to them right now, but I am. I'm engaged in this dialogue. I'm engaged in some level of community and connection during this time. So what I'd like to do this Rosh Hashanah is have a book club with you. Really, I mean that seriously. What I mean is that that booklet, again, that very first link, that you could click on the link that I shared with you, the very first link on that page, which is the booklet created by the Orthodox Union, which has a number of beautiful articles um, from a number of great thinkers and leaders and teachers. Read them over Rosh Hashanah, and I'm going to do the same. And what I ask of you, or beg of you, is after Rosh Hashanah, send me an email, or give me a call, or send me a text with your thoughts. Let's discuss the booklet, really. Let's connect over the booklet. Read it, not just for yourself. Read it as a community. We're going to connect, me and you. I'm talking to each of you individually. Me and you, we're going to connect over this, these, these readings, these essays over Rosh Hashanah. We're gonna re I'm going to find the time to read them. I'm going to be running between Minyanim in between those. I'm going to read them, and I'll find the time to read them. And then after Rosh Hashanah, I look forward to talking to each of you whether it's by email or by phone, about these articles. Just let me know what your thoughts are. I'll do the same. We'll talk about them. And in doing so, we'll be able to remain somewhat connected over Rosh Hashanah because I want to be connected to you. I, I, I'm a saddened by the fact that I will not be able to see you in person. I will not be able to daven in person with you. Um, I'll be sending my sermons to our Shul website, to Shul email list before Rosh Hashanah, but I won't be able to experience growing together and so I, I ask of you, really, I beg of you to read those essays and, and let's talk. Let's connect after Shoshana about them, okay? And that way we are connected even though we're not physically connected. Similarly, and I want to kind of connect, continue that, that theme and that idea, 
idea of being connected to one another. You know, over the past couple of days, and really all the time, people often ask me, could you pray for someone or pray for me? Okay? And I oblige. I am, I am happy, you know, I'll be in shul and I'll be davening. If you want to send me your, your Hebrew name, I'll be happy to daven for you explicitly. But you should know, I, I, I daven for, for the entire congregation every year. Um, and, and, and for so many of you, for all of you. Uh, but if you want me to, to have your name, you know, and, and, and daven for you, I, I certainly will do so. But on one condition. And the condition is that you at home pray for me. Really. Really. Uh, I, 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 let's, let's connect over our tefillos. And what I mean by that is that you'll be davening for me and I'll be davening for you. I'll be davening for you that if you have kids at home that you have the strength to be able to help them and to create a meaningful Rosh Hashanah. That if you're all alone that you have the strength to not feel so lonely but also praying for the entire year. That this is a good year, a year of feeling connected to and loved by others and a year of success and a year in which all of your prayers will be answered. So if you want me to pray for you, which I will do happily, I beg of you to pray for me as well because your tefillos, even though they're at a home, or not even though, because they're at a home, because you are finding the time and the space to be able to pray at home, I would venture to say that in some ways they are more meaningful than my tefillos in a shul in many respects, okay? So if you'd like me to daven for you, please send me an email. Please write your name in the chat. My name is Yisrael Ben Yaakov Yehuda, and it would be my honor to daven for any of you, but please daven for me, and that way we'll be thinking about each other on Rosh Hashanah, although we won't be physically together, we will certainly truly be in each other's prayers. Okay, so let's just review for a moment some of the different things uh, that we spoke about. The first is to make an amazing and deep meal. You know, to take some of the angst that we're feeling about being alone, it's an intense emotion, but emotions could be channeled, okay? And to translate that into something beautiful, there's a booklet there, again, on that link, that walks you through a Rosh Hashanah Seder. Take the time to read it now, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out, but take the time to, on Rosh Hashanah night, to do it slowly, methodically, intentionally, and to take some of the emotions that you have and to put those into the prayers. Make the prayers more meaningful. If you're experiencing higher emotions, that's normal, that's healthy. Allow them to be, to, 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 to be the spirit, to be the energy of the tefillos and to have in that quiet time at home by yourselves to be able to have a more meaningful Rosh Hashanah Seder, to be able to have those tefillos, those prayers said for the dates and for the, the carrots or whatever the different foods, food items that you're eating, um, please, please, um, please have a much more meaningful Rosh Hashanah Seder and, and take advantage of this not great situation, but be able to take advantage of this situation. B, familiarize yourself with a song or two now and sing it over and over again now, but especially in Rosh Hashanah. On Rosh Hashanah, don't just sing it once. And who cares? You're by yourself. And if you're with a spouse, you're embarrassed, so just close the door and ignore them. Just sing it. Sing it over and over again. It's not what we, you know, the, the, the Gemara beautifully says that, you know, it's, it's better to have a little bit with kavana, with intention, with thoughtfulness, than to say everything, okay? So again, halachically, there are things we're supposed to ideally say, but if there's one song, there's one tefillah that speaks to you, Say it over and over again, again, like the cold bed on the cold night. Allow it to warm your heart and connect to it and be, use those tefillos, use the song, use the, the beautiful prayers, the beautiful liturgy to lift yourself up and to have a truly meaningful prayer, even if it's short, even if it's one piece, but to say it over and over again and allow it to penetrate your soul, okay? Um, again, pick some sections of the sitter that speak to you. Take some time with it. You're not in a rush if you're at home. Think about the words and again, allow them to really penetrate 
complete something. That's number four, complete something, right? Going to shul is normally something that we feel accomplished about. I went to shul. I may not always go to shul, but of course I'm going to go to shul in Rosh Hashanah and Kippur. And there are many people feeling, hey, I'm missing a part of my checklist, part of what I'm supposed to be doing. Find something to substitute. If you want it to be a book, great. If you want to join our booklet club, then again, go to that link that I shared and take the first uh, take the first, go, go to the, click on that link and the very first link is a booklet by the Orthodox Union uh, specifically for people who are at home, read the essays and share them with me. Let's talk by email, by phone. Let's talk about the essays. Let's have a little booklet club. We will be connected. I'll be thinking about you. We'll be, shared, we'll be doing some shared learning over Yamtiv, even if we're not actually together and, um, and let's connect through tefillah. Give, I already saw some of you shared with me your names. I appreciate that. I really do. And I will certainly be, be davening for you. And again, my name is Yisrael Ben Yaakov Yehuda, and I hope you're able to daven for me. But I want to share with you one final thought, a thought that, that, that uh, I think is very relevant to all of us during this entire year, or six months rather, since COVID began, um, and since we started experiencing COVID. But specifically, specifically, um, for those of you who are at home right now and perhaps feeling like you're not really where you want to be for Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. So one of the things we read on Rosh Hashanah, and not just one of the things, probably the most important thing we read on Rosh Hashanah is Akedas Yitzchak, the binding of Isaac, right? The, the very dramatic moment where Avram is, is instructed, commanded to bring his son as an offering, and you watch as he slowly, or not so slowly, but you, it's, it's a very evocative passage where Avram takes Yitzchak and they start traveling, and finally, you know, it builds it up, builds it up, builds it up. He has Yitzchak on an altar, and he's about to slaughter him, and of course, the angel calls out, don't do it, don't do it, um, you know, it's fine, don't do it, you, you, you proved yourself, okay? We all know that part, and what happens next? What happens next is that Avram lifts his eyes, the Torah tells us, and he sees an ayol, he sees a ram, right? The ram's horn, the shofar. He sees the ram that is what? Stuck in the thorns. Stuck in the thorns, right? Ne'achaz besvach. He sees the ram who's stuck with his horns in the thorns. The ram is stuck over there. And if we were to put ourselves in the shoes of that ram or the 